Coming up on this week's mini episode of the Drew Perowit Podcast. If you don't create a beautiful future, your brain will do one for you and it's usually not good because it's based on survival and it's a reflection of past hurt. Hi everyone, it's Drew. There are so many reasons that time and time again, I recommend magnesium to my friends and family and use it myself every single night. But the catch is, it's got to be a high quality magnesium. That's why I recommend Magnesium Breakthrough from BioOptimizers. Magnesium is actually needed for over 600 enzymatic reactions in your body. In fact, every single cell contains it and needs it to function. It's essential for stress management and restful sleep because of its influence on neurotransmitters. It supports insulin sensitivity and fights the risk of type 2 diabetes. And magnesium also reduces C-reactive protein and many other markers of inflammation, along with so many more powerful functions that elevate our overall health. I personally started taking magnesium to help me with my sleep, especially when I travel, and it's been a game changer. But magnesium breakthrough from BioOptimizers really stands out from other magnesium supplements out there. It contains seven, yes, seven different forms of magnesium, which all have different functions in the body. I haven't found anything else like it on the market. And by the way, BioOptimizers is great because all their products are soy-free, gluten-free, lactose-free, non-GMO, free of chemicals and fillers, and made with all natural ingredients. For the entire month of November, BioOptimizers is having a Black Friday, Cyber Monday blowout sale on their best-selling magnesium breakthrough. If you've ever been curious about supplementing magnesium, this is the time to start. You'll get up to 25% off every order and access to over $200 in free gifts like books and some other great products that they have. Just head over to magbreakthrough.com backslash Drew with the code Drew10. That's magbreakthrough, M-A-G-B-R-E-A-K-T-H-R-O-U-G-H.com slash D-H-R-U with the code DHRU10, that's Drew10, to check out their sale. This episode is brought to you by ButcherBox, when I personally made the leap that I've talked about before on the podcast many times from being vegetarian to eating meat, my biggest focus was on quality. I got to say, looking back, I wish I had known about ButcherBox because they make it so easy to access high quality meat and seafood. And with the craziness of the holidays coming up, I'm all about hacking anything that I can in my life to make cooking and make investing in my health easier to do. The quality of the meat and seafood we eat is no freaking joke, and it's one thing I'm always careful about, especially when I'm planning a special get-together. With ButcherBox, I know I'm serving the people that I love the highest quality clean protein, which also means no inflammatory fats, antibiotics, or weird freaking toxins. For me, this is huge because helping people that I love stay healthy is one of my favorite love languages. ButcherBox will send grass-fed meat and wild-caught salmon right to your door so you can get all your holiday menu planning out of the way and move on to all the other stuff you need to do. Right now, if you're new to ButcherBox, they're giving away two free 100% grass-fed New York strip steaks with every order for an entire year. This is a crazy deal, and they've never offered it before, and it's only around to the end of November. Just go to butcherbox.com backslash Drew to sign up, and you can get these incredible steaks free for all year long. That's butcher, B-U-T-H-E-R, box, B-O-X, dot com backslash D-H-R-U. Drew, that's my first name. Check out the deal today and make that investment in upgrading the quality of your meat. Hi, everyone. Drew Prode here. Who would you be if you weren't defined by the limiting dialogue of your own mind? 
We exist within the mental constructs that dictate our thoughts, feelings, and actions. Suffering is a byproduct of these mental constraints. To create an extraordinary life, we have to reveal the limiting framework of our perceived reality and shift the perception we have of ourselves in order to become limitless. In today's mini episode, I speak with Peter Crone and Dr. Shafali about how our own perceptions and self-limiting beliefs shape our reality and how to find freedom from a self-imposed mental jail. Let's listen in, starting with Peter Crone, a writer and thought leader in human potential who works with entertainers, professional athletes, and global organizations. One of my favorite questions, and certainly to everyone listening, I say, who would you be and what becomes available in the absence of all your concerns? Now, if people really feel into that, who would you be and what becomes available in the absence of all your concerns? Now, if people get it, they will feel a cascade of freedom and peace trickle through their body like they maybe never have had. And the thing to understand is, I'm not saying their circumstances suddenly magically change, but to, uh, to realize every concern they have is of their own creation. Life, Their life right now, with loved ones who maybe are not well, to bills that are being struggled for them to meet, like the circumstances are the way they are, but the concern is their interpretation, their interaction with circumstance. Life has zero problems in it. Zero. Every problem anyone has is based on our perception of life. There's the circumstance of the situation. There's a filter, almost like an Instagram filter yep. that we place on it, yep. which is where most of our reaction comes from. And then there's the question is what's really on top of that is that our awareness? The awareness of that mechanism. The mechanism's automatic. Like I tell people, if you don't create a beautiful future, your brain will do one for you and it's usually not good because it's based on survival and it's a reflection of past hurt, right? So again, one of my quotes, most people are trying to avoid a bad future that hasn't even happened yet. What they don't realize to come to awareness is it's their brain, their brain that is creating the future that isn't something they want that now in present time they're trying to avoid. They're making it up. Like I, I remember working with one of the biggest, you know, MBA centers who was struggling with free throws. League average, 75%. His average, 37%. Not great, right? <laughs> Less than 50% of the league average. So he was struggling, big name, multi-million dollar contracts, a lot at stake, you know, and he felt embarrassed. He was a sweet guy and he wanted to do everything that he could to contribute to his team. And his absence of performance was leading to a lot of like losses so i went to his house and i said you know i'm sure you're getting as much help as you can from coaches from teammates from family maybe even sports psychologists he's like i'm doing everything i can and i said that behavioral adaptation as well intended it is 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 reinforcing your belief that you've got a problem so i said now what's happening is you're holding on to your history using it as evidence for what might happen that's the probability model and now you're doing everything you can to avoid that sustaining. But I said, what does your history have to do with today? Other than your memory of it. So I said, what if I told you for the rest of the season, you went out and shot league average? How would you feel? His, I mean, his face lit up. He, his, his, his lungs open. He said, oh, dude, I'd feel amazing. I said, well, what you just experienced is based on me creating a future that is as real as the one you're concerned about. Because they're both made up. Now, that's the power of imagination. It's almost like we forget that 
these are all just these stories that we've created, mm-hmm. but these stories have a practical impact on our body. Massive. They have a practical impact on our disease state as well. Our relationships, our, our, our wealth. I mean, it is, this is why I'm biased because it's what I do. But like, if you don't, if you don't do your mental housekeeping, then you can work your ass off all day to try and perfect circumstance from your body to your house to your relationship. But if you're not, if you're not free internally, it, it is literally like two, two universes, two worlds. There's the you that is coming from fight or flight, or there's the you that's free. And I, and I literally distinguish it with my clients. You're either living from ego or you're living from soul. You're living from limitation and fear, or you're living from boundless love and freedom. And part of that mental housekeeping that you help people with is being very mindful of how they speak, because Mm -hmm. how we speak is a reflection of these constant sort of, you know, you mentioned earlier about people going through a big trauma, like a car accident. Well, the question that you said was, what's the little car accidents that are happening every moment of every day all the time? And one way to catch some of those is... As you've shared before is language. Tell us about that. Um, I love language. I mean, again, if there's something that I feel like I do have an expertise in, it's listening and listening like truly um, with such a, a an attention to the way that people are creating their realities unbeknownst to themselves. So when somebody, let, let's take a metaphor. Let's, this, this mug, right? Water by itself doesn't necessarily have a shape. But it takes on the shape of this mug because that's what's containing it. So in the metaphor, as it relates to us, spirit, soul, essence doesn't necessarily have a shape. But words are the wardrobe for the soul. So if I live in a wardrobe that is I'm not enough, then souls are, okay, well, then I'll take on that shape and I will show you an evidence in life and people, the confirmation of the way that you perceive yourself. So that's why for me, it's like programming. I open up a laptop and say it's a Mac. I go to iTunes. I don't get upset when I can't write a Word document because I understand the way that that piece of software is coded is to house music, play music, buy music. So similarly for me as a human, if I'm coded to think that I'm not going to be okay, I'm not loved, I'm a failure because of past events, why would I get upset when my life doesn't reflect anything else? <laughs> it's almost like not having judgment on the fact that you're upset at yourself for it. It's a product of its circumstances that you put it in. People see this a lot when it comes to comparison on, if you're on social media, I truly believe mm-hmm. that comparison and people feeling inadequate, a large part of it is their subtle judgments on other people's lives Yeah, that then become our judgment and a finger that's pointing at themselves, and the byproduct of that is waking up in the middle of the night and having anxiety that you're not doing enough. Yeah, so that's so perfectly said. So basically looking at anything, whatever the data point is, meaning what is the external information that we're gathering, in this case, we're looking at a social media account. All it is is evidence. All it's, as I said earlier, life will present people and circumstances to reveal where I'm not free. So if I'm looking at an account and I feel the inadequacy part, it's got nothing to do with that account. You're looking at a phone. You're looking at a phone. But what is it revealing in your, like you could be by yourself in the toilet, in, in your bedroom. It's like, and yet you're having this cascade of inadequacy, stress, I'm not doing enough. So, so the phone with an image is presenting your brain with the opportunity to see 
the evidence of your belief of inadequacy, then the, the, the treasure is to not look at that, but to see what is life showing me? Oh, wow, it's revealing that I don't believe I'm enough. Then we get to inquire into that. Is that true? Is it an actual truth that you're not enough? Where am I going to find evidence for that? Other than your beliefs and your behavioral adaptations and the way that you interpret your own circumstance. But otherwise, is there an actual, like, are you, are you designed to be not enough? Is that your actual manufacturing, like, stamp? It's, it, it, no, it's a conversation. And you might have evidence from, well, my brother was the you know, successful one. At court, he got picked as a quarterback and I didn't. Okay, great. Now you've just got evidence for your own narrative. But it's still a story and it's based in language, which is why I get so impassioned about like understanding the power of words. If you think that you're not enough, then like this mug, your essence, your potential will take on that shape. But it's not a truth. And in the absence, in the absence of that constraint, I want people to see what becomes available. If you're not, and again, it's part of my work, I do what's called a double negative. So people think they're not enough. And I'm like, if you're not, not enough, what becomes available? And then people are like, oh my God, I'd be so free. <laughs> and that's where the freedom comes from because yeah. the challenge is on the opposite side is if you don't dig deeper, we put the blame. In this instance, we blame social media mm -hmm. for causing these things instead of exposing them. Yes. Maybe it's the biggest gift ever that's exposing this narrative that have been there. It's just accelerated it. Mm -hmm. Or putting the blame on the government for creating disease or mm -hmm. this situation or my doctors didn't support or this didn't happen. There might be some real components inside of it that are factual things that you experienced. Yeah. But that's not the same thing as this narrative that we place on the situation. Amazingly articulate and beautifully observed. Yeah. And the biggest blame is usually to our parents. You know, and I will always say that like wherever we feel adversity, suffering, pain, it is life gifting us because we're powerful beyond measure. We're extraordinary beings living in, an, in a very ordinary perspective of ourselves. And life is saying, again, not to sound callous, it's one of my quotes, you're extraordinary, be responsible for that shit. As a young adult and having experienced the passing of your parents, was there, was any part of your transformation related to any blame that you had towards them? Towards them in their passing? In their passing or not being around no, I think like many people, like if I were to have gone down any kind of rabbit hole of woe, it was more about me. You know, I think I was always way harder on myself. I don't think I've ever really been too judgmental of others, uh, you know, and I wanted to make a point to what you were saying. Like that really is a victim mindset, right? Like when we're coming from blame, it's a powerless place to stand because we're basically saying you are responsible for my emotional wellness, now, if you, if you just even hear what I just said, it's just nonsensical, right? Like you have the power. I don't. Yes. Which means that you can make me go left or right. You can make me feel good, which means you can make me feel bad. I have no control. No. And that to me it flies in the face of the truth, which is that we're a hundred percent responsible for our life. A hundred percent. Even if much of our 
interaction with life that leads to our emotional response, our behaviors and our results is unconscious. It's still us based on program. We might not have revealed what that programming is, but it's nonetheless up to us. That's the good news as far as I'm concerned. If it really is your boss that makes you feel inadequate, you're kind of effed, you know, because... that's what i wanted to say but i wasn't sure (laughs) yeah you're totally fucked right because it's like my mother-in-law is the cause of my anger i mean it's like you're just handing over the pizza pie of that emotional state to your mother-in-law and hopefully she takes good care of it i mean it's just like are you you kidding me so anyway i still want to finish the other point which is regards to my parents i would normally go to the place where it's uh, it's my fault like, I, I was never the one to externalize my victimhood on somebody else. I was way too, I don't know whether it's because I'm British and it was pride, but it was just like, I, I was uber responsible. Like, it's my fault, you know? So the self-judgment was really, and I think a lot of people struggle with that. Like, I, I messed up, I'm bad, I'm not enough, versus I think when we, when we superimpose and project onto somebody else, it's really, somebody's just really scared, you know, like when people get angry, I try and help my clients understand, look, if your partner, your boss, your teammates getting angry, they're just scared. Right? You don't need to make like they're the ones that need, need the most love and acceptance and compassion. So so with my whole thing with my parents, I was blessed. I mean, my dad, as I said, passed when I was 17. And a lot of people are like, wow, dude, that must be so hard. And I said, well, I'm not saying it was easy. Clearly, it was my path. And that's what happened. But I got so much love from that man in 17 years that many people don't get in 7T, 7-0. So did I have it hard or was I blessed? My next guest, Dr. Shafali, received her doctorate in clinical psychology from Columbia University. Specializing in the integration of Western psychology and Eastern philosophy, she brings together the best of both worlds for her clients. She's an expert in family dynamics and personal development and teaches her methodology all around the globe. She's written four books, three of which are New York Times bestsellers, including her two landmark books, The Conscious Parent and The Awakened Family. Oprah has endorsed her work as revolutionary and life-changing. Dr. Shivali and I dive into why hitting rock bottom could be a gift for some, why we get stuck in the blame game, and how to break free from a victimized consciousness. Let's listen in. Talk to us about rock bottom because rock bottom, you've shared before that it can be a gift. And I bring up rock bottom as the next thing to get into because in one way, our ego attaching to all these different identities is is painful and there's a lot of suffering that comes with it. On another side is that if we're quote unquote lucky enough, we may hit rock bottom, which is very scary for a lot of people. But actually, you say that it could be a gift. Tell us why. Because when we hit rock bottom, what that really means is that we are forced to look at who we are without the identity. We typically hit rock bottom because one of our role identifications has gone into the gutter. Either our kid is on drugs or our partner left us or the job fired us. You know, it's typically, I'm just being very broad. And we think we are unhappy because the kid is a drug addict. Yeah, I'm sure that's very alarming. But the real rock bottom is coming because we don't know who we are without that fantasy, without that identity of the successful entrepreneur, the successful parent or the successful wife or husband. And that identity has been shattered. That's 
why we're at rock bottom. Because finally, the identity identification has shattered against the rock. And finally, we are, we are forced to ask, bare and naked, who are we now? And it's exciting because now the real you that has been yearning to come all this time has the chance to finally resurface. So let's bring that back again to the, to the micro focus. And I'd love for you to share in your own life, if you feel comfortable, I think you would be because you've written about it inside of the book, you know, a few years in your own life, a few years ago, you had a layer where you say you had to really ask yourself, who am I when it came to relationship and, and marriage? Talk, talk through that a little bit with, with the audience here. What were the circumstances? I don't mean the ins and outs of what happened, but what were the beliefs or identities that you had at the time that then were later rocked, so to speak? Yeah. So as I was evolving, you know, I've been a meditator and on this path since I was 21. So on one level, I'm pretty slow (laughs) to learn, but there's no judgment. Um, So for since 21, I've been evolving and shedding a lot of my identifications of the good girl, the pleaser. But then I became a mother. Then I wanted to be the perfect mother. I was trying to be the perfect wife. And I also began shedding those as much as I wanted to be those because they came into my life. I was also simultaneously deconstructing them in my own spiritual growth and really shedding the the layers of identifying with them. I was still a mother. I think I was still a pretty awesome mother, but my identity as Maya's mother was really fading. My identity as the wife was fading. And there came a moment three years ago, or maybe four, where I hit my rock bottom because I had evolved pretty much out of my marriage, out of my relationship, with which I had been in for 25 years. So, you know, without getting into details, I just felt that that container no longer could contain me, that who I had become was now something that needed a new environment and new causes and effects and new conditions. But that was very traumatic for me because I had been living so many years attached to that container that to now come to the precipice of a new point where I knew I needed a different container was extremely traumatic for me, you know, and for women in particular, because we are by nature, the caretakers, by nature, the fosterers of love and and nurturance in our families to be the one to say, oh, I may not be able to do this anymore is just an admission of such defeat. It feels because culture has told us this is our purpose. This is our crowning glory. So you feel like a failure. But I really did a lot of inner work for for many years after the rock bottom, uh, which I encourage everyone to do. Rock bottom doesn't mean you'll get to leave because then you just take your issues with you. you. You know, then you go through a real process of true inner work and deconstruction, sitting with yourself. I stayed in silence and solitude for a long time to understand what did I need to do next? What could be my next choice that was authentic to me? So I would not revert back to inauthenticity. And what price was I willing to pay for the price of authenticity? So a lot of soul searching. And it was very difficult to detach and detangle because in my head, I had so many ideas from childhood 
um, to be that perfect woman. And in my eyes, in my conditioned eyes, I was failing. In my spiritual eyes, I was winning. I knew that. But it took a long time for the spiritual to, to come to focus. But then I eventually did come to a place where I realized that I was really just divorcing my old self. I was really divorcing my inauthenticity, my weakness, my cowardice, my uh, tremendous fear to be autonomous, to be empowered. And that's what all divorce really is about if one does the work. It has nothing to do with the other person. You'll never hear me talk about my ex ever uh, because I will never, ever, ever be so spiritually immature to ever think that they are at blame. I was a full participant and I am so grateful for that person and their presence in my life to allow me to go through my journey and come to my awakening. So when we can look at our life like this, there is no winning or losing. There is no failure and success. It's all evolution. It's all, am I now coming into my most authentic self or not? I think that's a very beautiful point because there's so many times in our lives that we feel that we got dealt uh, the bad hand. And sometimes there's the projection, which you talk a lot about, of I got dealt this bad hand and it was this person's fault or it was this situation's fault, which there might be a connection that's there as you talked before. You know, it's not, nothing wrong to say that. I was a victim of this thing. This thing happened to me. These were my life circumstances. Somebody might be born in poverty. Those are all very real things. And then there is the, the meaning around that and how we carry it forward. And um, you know, I had a, a, a mentor of mine would always say that in life, some of the biggest teachers are relationships, money, and general sort of career or success, because those are the three things that society says that when we finally have them, that everything else will work out. And when you realize that that's not the case, then some major work starts happening, right? Um, there's another theme that you just mentioned there, which I want to talk a little bit about, which is sometimes we often think about painful situations that we've been through and we don't it's, it's actually very difficult to do this, but we don't honor the fact that without that pain, as challenging as it was, as much as we wouldn't want to wish it upon somebody else, some of the painful moments in our life, some of the things that were very tragic that happened, quote unquote, to us also led to a lot of beauty. So you might've had a relationship that from somebody externally, their eyes, it quote, failed, but you look at it and it's like, I wouldn't be the woman that I am. I wouldn't have the child that I have. I wouldn't have all these incredible things without this person. So how can I demonize them, make them wrong and make them bad? How does somebody get there? I mean, how do you arrive to that place for the members that are listening that very much feel that, no, I feel like something bad happened to me and that's why I am this, you know, in this difficult place in life right now? Because... I think the reason people get stuck in the blame game is because in essence, that's what we were taught by being in our false self. Uh, we were taught separation from our own essence. So we project separation onto the world. So it's very easy to make people our enemies. This is why racism exists. This is why all these current conflicts in our world exist because of a projection of separation, because we're separate from our essence. And we project hate very quickly because of our unhealed unworthiness. You know, all hatred 
All blame gaming to the other person is a projection of unworthiness. When somebody blames me, I want to look at it. I want to see whether I have had a role in it, but I won't take the whole blame because it's a co-creation. It's a dynamic. But I also want to make sure I haven't made anybody a victim, right? So I always want to say, this doesn't give a rapist a pass to say, oh, it was a co-creation. There is vic there's physical abuse that we can never, ever not take responsibility for. And there is also emotional abuse. But in emotional abuse, suppose I'm the abuser and you are my friend who I'm abusing, you have every power to walk out. And that's where you are a co-creator, right? Now, if I'm your physical abuser and I'm bigger than you, I can't blame you for not walking out, right? That's why I always make the difference between physical abuse and mental abuse. So the reason we blame others is because we don't want to take accountability for our co-creation. It's too hard to look in the mirror. So that hatred toward the other person fuels our identity as the victimized person and keeps us in victim consciousness. And what is the purpose of victimized consciousness? Uh, to stay passive to keep sabotaging and to keep being unworthy. You know, I, I work with people who stay in endless labyrinths of unworthiness. And I keep saying, there's a way out of this. You just have to look in the mirror and take ownership, but it's too difficult. So they need to keep staying there because they would rather stay there than do the hard work of waking up. And that's what this book teaches women to do step-by-step, step, how to wake up. How do we take our power back from our own giving it away to people on the outside, from, from wanting validation and approval from people on the outside? When we understand that our behaviors and thoughts are the result of our subconscious programming, we can deconstruct where those limiting beliefs and fears come from, and we're able to free ourselves from them and experience true liberation. I hope you enjoyed this mini episode of the Drew Pro Podcast. If you could think of someone who could benefit from some of this freedom in their life, I'd appreciate if you'd send them this episode. Thanks for tuning in. I'll see you next week.